This podcast is brought to you by Free Buddhist Audio, the Dharma for your life. Our work is funded entirely by donations from our generous listeners. If you would like to help us keep this free, make a contribution at freebuddhistaudio.com forward slash donate. Thank you and happy listening. I'm not sure whether I'm going to stay seated or stand up, so I'll stay seated for now. Um, and the board's there to um, help me keep track of where we're up to. Would you mind writing one? Mm-hmm. Um, so, the love and compassion aspect of Amitabha. Um, I was reading a poem, someone sent me a poem the other day, and whilst I was reading it, my, my heart opened and I realised that I'm coming to give a talk about love. And I don't actually want to give a talk about love. I don't even want to give a talk. I want to, I want to feel it. I want to feel love. When I, when, when I read this poem, I, I felt in touch with it. My heart was open and, I, and I, I'd already sort of written what I was, wanted to talk about. Um, and one of the lines, the sort of heading, it was, tonight the focus will be love. But actually, I, I, it wasn't quite right. And, and the poem that was sent to me was from a book by Daniel Ladinsky, uh, a translation of a Persian poet called Havis. And the book's called um, The Subject Tonight is Love. And that's what I've been trying to find. So the subject tonight is love. Um, and I don't just want that I feel it, I want that you feel it. And I imagine that's what you want too. Um, so may that be so. Um, and, and I was thinking to myself, what, what are the ways that, that I connect with love? And poetry is one of them, music is another. I went to a great gig last night at St George's in Bristol. And I just felt like I didn't know anyone. I went on my own. And then I met somebody I knew, met other people. So actually, I felt in touch with a sense of love in myself, that I could go there, it'd be okay. Um, yeah, so what, we're going to explore what, what connects us with love, compassion, friendship. Um, and one of the things, another thing is, is, is um, maybe standing up or sitting down to, to speak to people that many of you, most of you, I don't actually know. I know a few of you and it's good to see um, Yeah, so standing up or going to read a poem or do you have a mitra ceremony or introduce someone, or to play guitar. I'm sure we've all got our own versions of it. What puts us in touch with that um, experience of aliveness that can sometimes feel like love? So, um, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't even know if I'll continue to look at my notes at all. But whatever happens, it'll be okay if I'm in touch with that love. Um... Yes, yeah, so tonight I feel fortunate to be here to talk to you about Amitabha, the Red Buddha of love and compassion. Tonight, the subject is love. So, um, Satchalila had asked me, would I, would I send a little brief to um, Kema Jyoti about what, what I'm going to be talking about? Um, and I felt a bit ambitious with what I wrote, but um, <laughs> I introduced the evening as... Um, that we'll be looking at the love and sangha aspects of Amitabha, the red Buddha of the Western realm. During the evening, love will be our focus. And from this perspective, 
We will reflect on our relationships and the preciousness of human life. We will consider, with body, speech and mind, if there can be any more appropriate response to connecting with ourselves and each other than with love and compassion. So how are we going to do that? I could have brought Vasantra's book, but I'm sure that um, as you've been looking at the, the mandal of the five Buddhas, that you may have or you have a, a chance to have a look at what Vasantra says about Amitabha. Um, so I'm going to tell you a bit about my experience um, and about love. Well, Thich Han, I've got a note here. Thich Nhat Hanh suggests that it's about knowing how to love ourselves. He said, the real object of our love is not outside of us. The real object of our love is ourselves. We have to know how to love ourselves. Know how to return to our true nature. To see the wholesome, the good, the true and the beautiful within us. Then we will be able to see that in others. Uh, and the Buddha also, the Buddha talked about... Um, us being able, us searching around the whole world looking for someone to, to love or worthy of our love and that there's no one more worthy or deserving of our own love and compassion than ourself. Yeah. And, and I've been working up thinking about this talk and I, I saw something, I was at my parents' house and I saw a tragedy of some sort on the television and people responding. And I felt this longing in myself to, to contribute um, to the well-being of the world. And then I thought, well, I'm, I'm coming to, I'm going to Bristol, I'm going to give a talk on love and compassion. And I thought, well, actually, that's, that's it, that's what I'm doing. I, I, may I contribute to the world in whatever, whatever I do? Um, and it doesn't have to be good. And then Mary Oliver's poem came about, you do not have to be good. You just have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. But well, I love the Dharma. I can go and talk about the Dharma and my experience with the Dharma. Um, yeah, I want to. I want to live it. I want to share it. I want to. Uh, whatever happens, may I be connected with compassion. And Nyanaponika Terra says, "What what is the highest manifestation of compassion? To show the world the path leading to the end of suffering." The oath pointed out, trodden and realised to perfection by him, the exalted one, the Buddha, the path pointed out. Trodden and realised to perfection by him, the exalted one, the Buddha. So, maybe walk the path together tonight. Um, yes, yeah, so we're, we're, looking, we're going to look at Amitabha. And I'm going to talk a little bit about me and my experience. We're going to, um, you're going to get an experience of yourselves, uh, of your own, of love, compassion, Sangha, Amitabha. And then we're going to relate it to the world. And uh, Bhante talked about, talks about um, the Dharma being about the theoretical and the practical. So we can get a little bit of the experience, but... Um, much of the practical, the practice of it. Um, and I, I went to a, a course um, by an NVC teacher, uh, um, Sunaki too, and it was about sharing the Dharma. And, and there were three things that I found really helpful. 
he, he suggested that we explain, we explore, and we experience. So that's my, my theme for this evening, that may I explain what we're going to do. May we explore it together, may we experience it. Um, and in our body, speech, and mind, those three, the threefold we. So I just want to check, um, it's the first night I've been here of this uh, series of talks that you're doing. I just want to check um, who's been to the other talks about the, the, the Buddhas. Can you put your hands up if you've been to any of the other talks? Okay, so for some of you this is your first night uh, of one of the talks about the archetypal five jinnas. Okay, um, so archetypal. Yeah, archetypal. Um, I heard someone describe it as experiencing it in the depths of the mind. That it's not the Buddha, but the Buddha being a human being who, who walked about Padmasambhava yesterday. He's an archetypal bodhisattva, but he also was a human being. So Amitabha wasn't ever a human being. He's an archetypal Buddha uh, that we experience in the depths of our mind. Um, and he's read, obviously. And like the, um, I was talking with Satchalila earlier, that he's, the, the jinnas, the five Buddhas, are often described as um, one light, uh, that it shines through a, a prism and becomes, so a white light shining through a prism becomes different colours. So they're all aspects of the enlightened Buddha. Each of these, each of these um, five jinnas, five Buddhas, archetypal Buddhas, are aspects of the Buddha, aspects of enlightenment. So we're going to see how we connect with those aspects. Um, yeah. So we're going to hear firstly about me and my relationship to Amitabha. And with love at the centre, we're going to look at the preciousness of human life. Um, Amitabha's presence at um, spiritual, well, the sunset of life and death or spiritual death. He's often associated with, with death, um, particularly in the, the, the Tibetan Book of the Dead and at the time of a bardo. And a bardo, for anyone who, who's not aware of that word, is, is a sort of time of transition. That's how I describe it, a time of transition that often happens at death or in between death and rebirth or change, any sort of change. Um, compassionate response to suffering and empathy and non-violence in the way we think, speak and act. Yeah, so... Um, so me. Satchalil mentioned, yes, I've had a kidney transplant recently and that we met at the time of my ordination and the, the ordination retreat that we were both on with Samashiri and others. So I'm going to say a little bit about those two things. And for me, they are going to be at the centre of a, a mandala of um, my experience. So ordination, for me, that was, a, that was quite a big bardo. A big, so the word bardo, transition. And it lasted three months up in the mountains of Spain, where there were lots of beautiful sunsets and lots of beautiful friendship. And... Yeah, I, I uh, went up there not knowing, um, at the time of ordination, I knew that um, we take on a practice of a particular Buddha or Bodhisattva. 
and I felt a bit puzzled, a bit confused because I didn't feel entirely sure about uh, which Buddha or Bodhisattva I felt the strongest connection with um, because I seemed to have connections with each of them. And my um, preceptor, my tree, had asked me, um, so, do you have a connection or do you have, do you have feelings for any particular Buddha or Bodhisattva? And I thought for a moment, I said, well, yeah, I've got feelings for Padmasambhava, um, but Amitabha's got feelings for me. <laughs> well, what can I say? So it was a bit of a, you know, I really like that energy, you know, I respond to the energy of Padmasambhava. And I knew there was a lot of learning for me to, to there was a, you know, even a looking at Amitabha, the stillness. At that time, I felt quite an active, you know, energetic person. I was running 10Ks and uh, I felt like I had a lot of energy. But there was something that I wanted to learn from, from this Buddha, that stillness, that spaciousness, um, the wisdom of discrimination, discriminating wisdom, you know, seeing each person as unique and uniquely beautiful. Um, and things happened on the retreat that, that helped point towards Amitabha, Amitabha's loyalty or love always being available, being present in my life. Um, unfortunately, you know, I, I got given this name, Amita Shuri, which means boundless or limitless heroine. Um, yeah, so connecting with love and friendship on the retreat and spiritual death really there's a, a spiritual death that happens you go through this journey, this process and I knew I was becoming a new being I didn't know what my name was going to be but um, definitely sat with myself you know I learned even just from, from sitting in that posture you know when we sit in that posture there's something can happen we do it in our meditation practice it's often the first image that people come into contact with Buddhism is, is, is Amitabha Meditate Buddha and meditation. Yeah. So I'm still learning what, what happens here in this space that he incubates with the sort of gentleness of his two thumbs touching. I'm still learning about how to be with that uncertainty, you know, what's there. Hmm. And and up there, up in the mountains, my, my grand died uh, during the ordination retreat and we were doing a practice called the Six Element Practice. And... Amitabha was, he felt really, really present, you know. I was reading a bit about the Tibetan Book of the Dead and the, the people, my, my friends in the ordination retreat, they would do a practice with me and um, just with awareness of my gran. Yeah, so, so I mean, there's even um, in Japan and China, there's, there's traditions that are set up around Amitabha, Pure Land schools, um, because when they say when, when you die, that you may be born, reborn in a, in a pure land, a happy land, the land of bliss, which is called Sukhavati. And there's sutras written about this land, Sukhavati. And actually, in some ways, we don't know if it's a, a, a place or actually can we create this pure land in life while we're alive. Hmm. Yeah. So... I took on the, the practice of, of Amitabha. And as you can see, my red tights and uh, red things to celebrate on this evening and connect with that, there's a lot of um, well, warmth and warm associations that I have in relation to Amitabha. I've even also got, this is his um, seed syllable, 
Does anybody know what it is? Chri. Chri. So Chri, um, where there's Hong or Om Ma Hong. So Chri um, is, I was saying to Martin tonight, a blush. It's a blush or a... Um, there's a counterpart called apotrapia, chri and apotrapia. If we ever do something unskillful or we're not sure what to do, um, what's, the, what's the right thing to do, um, we, can, we can think of our teacher and respect that we might have for some, or, or the Buddha, think of the Buddha. What would the Buddha do in this situation? And if we do something that, that doesn't quite meet that, um, we might feel a sense of chri or shame. So there's shame associated with chri, and apotrapia is, is respect for the wise. So if we act in a way that's not respectful of the wisdom of our teacher, then we might feel a sense of chri, and it's often associated with, with practising confession or telling a friend and sort of resolving not to, not to do it again. So that's Amitabha's seed syllable. And... I was just in the meditation there, I just realised that I'm, I'm back in Bristol, where just more than five years ago I did a Karana appeal here. So very fond associations of being in Bristol. Um, and it was straight after that that really I, I got quite ill. Um, I'd just come back from ordination and I ended up in hospital for a while with, with my kidneys really starting to, to fail. And over the course of that five years it's just been sort of a steady decline with function. So I've had to bring in a lot of, you know, Amitabha's compa- compassion um, and, and just awareness that, uh, you know, my body's deteriorating. Um, well, not, not my whole body, but my kidneys, but it affected everything, energy. And um, I had to ask people for more help gradually. I had to actually ask people for a kidney, which was a bit hard at times. Uh, some, you know, some people actually offered without me even asking or before I needed one in, in the movement people that I've, I know um, were, were extremely generous in their offer even people that didn't really know me that well and it was quite overwhelming each time that I, I, I realised people were, were willing to consider doing that um, yes yeah, so there was a real turning towards and, and I like this idea of turning towards and, and looking at what might be difficult or painful uh, in, in relation to Amitabha, because the, his time of day is the is sunset, the setting sun, and the setting sun is a time which we can actually look at the sun. You know, at the midday sun, or you know, when it's really hot, you have to wear your sunglasses, or you can't really look at it. But the setting sun, we can sit and watch, and you often have romantic associations, or love associations, or feel connected to something beautiful when we when we turn towards it and can look at it. So that's what, that was a, a strong practice for me in, in my journey towards my, my transplant. You know, I was in and out of hospital a bit, and in the last, since January, really, I uh, got ill again, and I've, I've had two cancellation, transplants cancelled. One was actually on the day of admission, um, and it turned out I, I, I got my kidneys out eight weeks before the transplant. The, the, the surgeon didn't want to risk operating, got, risk giving me a transplant with my own kidneys. And I was, again, I was feeling some fear. Um, what would it mean? And then I was afraid that I would lose the donor. So I sort of had to feel compassion towards that. And um, say, okay, well, if I lose the donor, you know, it's safer for me. My life is precious. Uh, 
and people do it, you know. I, I got to experience dialysis and that people do that for all their lives and that, that I, uh, the donor stayed with me. And, uh, you know, she, she just had this generous volition that she wanted to donate and was glad that it was to me. So, yeah, really compassion was alive for me. And like Satchalila said about the, the connections that I had, people really... Um, sent me cards and, you know, there was the Facebook communication. Another friend uh, had agreed to do some updates and send out to other friends in the movement in the order, my friends, my family, and they got to hear about it. So sometimes I got like 20 cards a day in the hospital and it was so overwhelming. I just had to be patient and take the whole day to open them and cry and share with people oh, look what so-and-so said to me. <laughs> so I really felt... The love, I felt the love out of people that I didn't really even know very well that had taken the effort to get up, write a card, get my address. So it really touched me each thing that I imagined somebody did to, to move towards me and, and express their care and well-wishing for me. And then I could translate that into all these sort of older ladies in my ward that couldn't reach their, sort of their box of tissues or something. You know, I, once I was mobile again... Uh, I could sort of translate that and express it to my friends. Um, yeah. So definitely, uh, someone described my, my their experience of me as oops, as my heart was blown open by metal. And and yeah, yeah, I did feel, I did feel the presence of of Amitabha, you know, all the way through that. Sometimes I. I, I, I didn't, well, a lot of the time I didn't meditate, but I would chant. I'd have my mala there with me. Um, after my first operation, my, I had my kesa, and somebody um, helped put my kesa on just when I was coming round and sat with me. Someone else after the transplant came up and anonymously sponsored um, a, a, a mahasuka, so someone who does chanting in the movement. They sponsored him to come and chant to me in the ward. <laughs> so it was all, you know, some real... Connections, and I, he, you know, I know him from afar over the years, but yeah, that was beautiful. So, and I felt that the rest of the ward got to benefit from mm -hmm. uh, the chant. It was, it was Shakyamuni chant. Hmm. Yeah. So I talked about expression there, um, and the idea that the the thought from the thought manifests the word, from the word manifests the deed or the action. Um, so in relation to what we're looking at tonight, body, speech and mind. So um, I did feel a lot of compassion for my body, which was suffering. Um, how to be with that in my mind, to turn towards that fear and the um, yeah, panic or um, worry. And let it transform into to the feeling that the love, you know, and make... You know, my actions at the time, I felt a lot of gratitude and it was really easy to express it. It just came through me uh, because people were, you know, holding me with such care in their hearts, even from afar. I knew people were thinking about me with love. And one of the things that really helped me um, has over that last five years has been learning about um, communication, particularly NVC, non-violent communication. So I'm mentioning that because... Um, it helps me know what I'm feeling and 
what I value. They're the two, there's four key things, but the middle two are about what we feel in our bodies and what our needs are or our values or what's important to us. So I'm mentioning that because that's um, relevant to what we're going to do. Hmm. Yeah. So it was a, 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 an extremely generous act for this person to, to donate a kidney. And also blood. I had blood transfusions where I actually felt like the, the red blood was going in me and, and, and it was making a difference at the time. Like even the next day, I felt a bit more well each time I had blood. Um, and some, you know, you go to the blood bank and you don't know who's, who's going to get it and the difference it's going to make to someone's life. It was pretty touch and go at the time that I had the blood transfusion. Uh, I didn't see myself as somebody who would that I would be in that situation to need that. And then it was there and I just felt so much gratitude for this, these anonymous people who'd given blood. So thanks, everybody, if it was you, <laughs> whoever it was. Um, yeah. So, that's about me. The next part I'm going to... Uh, well, I'm not quite going to hear about you, but you're going to, um, in fact, if you could tell me, you've told me who's been here and who's not been here before. What I'd like to do is get us actually to write up a few things that you call out. And I want you to, if you can remember some of the, what, what, what are the Buddhas that you've, you've looked at already? Which Buddhas have you looked at in these evenings so far? Yellow Buddha. Ratna Sambhava, yeah, yeah Ratna Sambhava, and Akshobhya, mm. is it two, and you've got one to, after Amitabha, you've got Amogasiddhi, okay, and Roshna, okay, so of Ratna Sambhava and Akshobhya, or maybe you looked at an overview as well, at the beginning, I think there might have been a wee overview, if you, <laughs> if you can remember... What were the, the qualities that you associate with, with the Buddhas that you've heard of previously? If you could write some of them up. Mm-hmm. No, it can go around about them. Okay. Determination. Unshakeability. Mm. 
So, we'll go on. These are all aspects of Chakyamuni, of the enlightened mind. And they all, like the prism, they're from the same light. They inter interrelate. Um, I think that's all we're going to write for the time being. We will write again every minute. Um, and these qualities, um, I was hearing about one of the previous talks that um, Nagamudra had said that he had written about um, was, was right and was going to come for the Akshobhya night and he found himself bringing in some of the qualities of Ratnasambhava and other, the other Buddhas and, and that's what happens, you know, it's not just purely Amitabha, it's, you know, we're bringing in wisdom, determination, you know, this trans transformation, appreciation. Um, so, so Amitabha has this particular flavour and I know there's a there's an expression that the Dalai Lama talked about, um, and I, I heard also that recently in a talk that if you're not able to, if I'm not able to connect with um, a particular aspect of enlightenment, I might go to the other side of the mandala and see what's there that I can try and maybe give. You know, some Sangharachita said if you can't do anything to connect, you can give. You can always give. But the Dalai Lama says of it, generosity is the most natural outward expression of an inner attitude of compassion and loving kindness. Generosity is the most natural outward expression of an inner attitude of compassion and loving kindness. So I'd like you to just be quiet for, I know you're not saying anything, but be, <laughs> uh, be quiet for a moment. <laughs> I'll be quiet for a moment. Um, and I'd like you just to consider any qualities or values in Amitabha that you particularly appreciate. I want you to turn to someone beside you and just tell them what you connect with or what it is, what it is that you value about Amitabha, what qualities, associations or what you connect with. So if you want to just take a meditation posture, a posture that's comfortable. just going to pick one of those qualities or one of those values that is meaningful to you and I'm going to close our eyes and feel how it feels and how it affects you when you're connected to it so connecting with it now not thinking about it but feeling it in your body let's really Feel where it is in our body when we are connected to that value, that quality. So we feel it in our in our face, in our heart, in our hands. How do our hands feel when we're connected to it? Our legs, 
calves are feet. Breathe it through our body. your eyes closed and now we're going to take a moment to be disconnected from it. Feel how it feels when we're not connected to that quality. We're distant, we're removed from it. We're not in touch with it. Maybe even we're in touch with its opposite if there is one. You can make a sound if you like. How it feels in a body. in her face, her shoulders, her arms, her abdomen. Okay, that's enough. Now we can reconnect with that quality. Just breathe it in again, the value, what it is that we appreciate and what matters to us. Breathe it through our body. make a sound again if we like. Feel it in our hands, our face, our legs. So I was glad to have tried that with Kima Jyoti earlier because I hadn't actually done it and it was, <laughs> it was good to experience what it, what, what, what it was like and it was glad to, uh, she helped me realise that it was helpful to have a little chat at the end of it. Thanks. Um, yeah, so I don't know what specifically you each talked about but I imagine that you had an experience of something that, that um, well, a value that's important to you. And, and Tsongkhapa says that the heart of goodness is in each of us. You don't need to rely on anybody else's goodness. You have a resource already, which is your own goodness. You are already good, and you can actually transmit that goodness to others. In Buddhism, we call this Buddha nature. Examine yourself and your state of being. You will find that you have the heart of goodness in you. So, yeah. And the Dalai Lama, when we feel love and kindness towards others, it not only makes others feel loved and cared for, but it helps us also to develop inner happiness and peace. And he says, he goes on to say, love is the absence of judgment. 
Now, from personal experience, I can find that really hard or to notice when my thoughts are... Um, there's judgment either from on myself or on another. And that's where I found it in nonviolent communication really helpful to, to notice and to do the inner work that I need to do to translate that judgment, that message um, that I'm telling myself, to translate it into what I'm actually feeling and what is important to me. Um, so what you did there, you know, we, we're feeling in our body what is our, our physical, our felt experience um, and what is it that, that matters to us. And, and that thing that, that you, uh, the value that you reflected on there, the quality, that, that matters to each of us, all of us. I don't know which one you chose, um, but I'm sure you, you want that for yourself like you want it for all or any of us. It's a, it's a universal quality, a universal value. Maybe, depending on what, what you thought of, but <laughs> I imagine that to be so. Um, yeah, so, so may we, meditation, and Amitabha, sort of the Buddha of meditation, may we notice those thoughts that we have, those messages, and look underneath them to how, how we feel, and what is it that, that really matters to us? What, where are we coming from? What, is, what, what do we need in that situation? What do we long for? You know, if it's fear... Uh, Maybe we, we want some ease or to be able to relax. Uh, if it's frustration, maybe we want some simplicity. Um, so what do we feel and what is it that's important to us in that situation? Um, and we may have a story that points towards, that message points towards it. If we can turn towards it, like Amitabha turns towards the setting sun, uh, may take the energy away from it and, and maybe transform it into to kindness and compassion. Hmm. Yeah. So we're going to do another exercise which takes this exercise. We're going to play with it a bit. Um, um, you can stay seated near where your partners are because you're going to do we're going to do a sort of spoken practice um, where we're going to tell our partner the, in, our, in our speaking and in the partner's listening we're going to be practicing metta yeah? so it's not just in our felt experience, it's in our spoken experience and the word from the word springs the, from the thought springs the word from the word springs the action Okay, so we've just been feeling it in ourselves we're going to communicate to a friend so if you want to sit beside your partner The Buddha, the Buddha says, if your passion, compassion does not include yourself, it is incomplete. And whatever words we utter should be chosen with care, for people will hear them and be influenced by them for good or for ill, said the Buddha. So, you're going to share with your, your partner um, your experience of metta towards yourself. And... You can you can say it in the sense of okay what you, what you feel okay I enjoy because uh, I really value. Um, so when you speak about yourself, I don't want to censor yourself and say oh I'm, I'm sometimes I'm quite good at such and such. You know, go for it, go for it. Really connect with that self compassion and love and, and say you know I really I really love listening and I really love being uh, in friendship with someone. You know. 
So you're, you're, and when your friend, when your partner listens, they're, they're listening to the second person. It's there. So that's the second stage in, in the listening. Yeah. Okay. So decide who's going to go first, and I'll ring the bell halfway when you... Um... No, okay, so, so the person who speaks first, decide now who's person A and who's person B. Okay, so once you've decided that, person A is going to speak first, and they're going to um, speak out the first stage of the meta. They're going to say, so I really, so for me, I, I really enjoy listening. I love really hearing, and I, I love that when I don't understand, I'll ask the person for clarity. <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay, so we'll do that for a couple of minutes, and then we'll, I'll re- we'll listen for the bell. And the person B just listens and receives. Second stage. Person A is going to share with person B some appreciation that they have for a good friend. And because your partner was talking about someone that the listener may not have known, that was both the friend and the neutral person. So we're going to do the same with our difficult person. And we're going to speak kindly and see if there's something in that friend that difficult person um, that we can appreciate and, and speak kindly of. But truthfully, honestly, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and let it come back, you know, come back to that feeling in yourself that you, you want well-being for yourself and well-beings. And noticing how we feel in our body, where we experience those feelings any aliveness that we're in touch with, any positive emotion that we're in contact with, noticing how we experience it in our body, each part of our body. We're just going to widen our perspective and open up to each other in the room with that warm response that we have to ourselves, our friend, neutral person, difficult person, to each other here in the room. In the city. the surroundings mm-hmm. staying in touch with that compassionate response that loving response we have to ourselves widening our circle of compassion and love to embrace and include beings further and further afield all around the country and overseas, in seas, overseas.
across all the lands and seas in the world. Extend our circle of love and compassion and well-wishing to all beings everywhere. Ryokan talks of the Bodhisattva vow. When I see the misery of those in this world, their sadness becomes mine. Oh, that my monk's robe were wide enough to gather up all the suffering people in this floating world. Nothing makes me happier than Amida Buddha's vow to save everyone. that we've um, come to the end of the evening and I did have a little mantra up my sleeve but um, I'm wondering we're going to do it <laughs> okay we're going to give the mantra go if you want to leave and have a cup of tea and um, before it's finished it's fine <laughs> if you want to this is a, a mantra that um, we've got two shuris in the room just now this is a third shuri uh, this is a mantra that Ratnashuri, who some of you may have met at Taraloka, Ratnashuri wrote as part of a puja. And I was doing the puja and a, a tune came and I took it back to her and I said, listen, I've got this tune uh, to a mantra. Well, uh, well, do you want to hear it? Oh, yeah. So I chanted it to her. I said, do you mind if I, if I take it about the place and share it? She said, oh, no, I'd be delighted. So it involves this khri. I'm going to chant it um, twice so that you can hear it and then I'll ring the bell and I'll start it again. I just want to hear you to hear it completely um, so you know the full mantra. Om Kri Swaha Om Ami Deva Kri Om Kri Swaha Om Ami Deva Kri Om Ami Deva Khri Om Khri Swaha Om Ami Deva Khri Om Khri Swaha Om Ami Deva Khri Om Ami Deva Khri Om Khri Swaha Om Ami Deva Khri Om Khri Swaha Om Ami Deva Khri Om Ami Deva Khri Om Khri Swaha Om Ami Deva Khri Om Kri Swaha, 
We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Please help us keep this free. Make a contribution at freebuddhistaudio.com forward slash donate. And thank you.